Welcome to the Foolish Adventure Show, where guru hype is banned, lifetime value of a customer is king, and the internet business has replaced the J-O-B as the path to financial success and personal freedom. Now, here's straight talk about making a living online with your host, Tim Conley. Welcome to another episode of the Foolish Adventure Show. This is Internet Business Radio, and I'm your host, Tim Conley. Okay, before I get this thing kicked off, what I'm going to do is uh, give a little shout-out love here. So, one of the things that i kind of been reminded of by my friend Dan Andrews of Lifestyle Business Podcast is that on their show, they they do these uh, iTunes review shout-outs, and I figured, you know, hey, I should give some love back to the people who have shown that they love the show. So that's what I'm doing. I'm going to, I think, make this a kind of a permanent part of the show to where I just kind of read off what's uh, what other people are saying about it. So I'm going to kick it off here with uh, Christian Primdahl, one of the favorite podcasts This podcast is one of the best you get in the area of entrepreneurship, consulting, and online marketing. Tim is sharing much more than he should for free, but that is just great for the rest of us. Definitely worth a subscription. And those are five stars. Thanks a lot, Christian. Then I've got my man, JW. So he says, implement and make more money. Another five-star review. It's so good I have a notebook filled with notes and action items from these shows, and I don't do that with any other podcast. Even better, when I'm implementing these and trying out, trying them out in the real world, they work. How many times can you say that about products you buy, even? Insightful discussions, solid advice, and business tactics that entertain and takes your business to the next level. Thanks, Tim. Hey, no, thank you, JW. And let's see, I've got... Love it. Another five stars. Matthew DP. Foolish Adventure is one of the few podcasts that I listen to every week without skipping a beat. Tim is a solid entrepreneur with great advice to offer to other entrepreneurs. Thanks a lot, Matt. That's uh, I really appreciate it. And I uh, really appreciate people sending in reviews. And I just found out how to check reviews from the iTunes stores from around the world. So I found out there's other iTunes reviews out there that I've never seen. So I'm going to go traipsing around the different countries of the world and reading off some of those reviews in upcoming episodes. All right, let's get into the main show. I've got a guest here named Dan Norris. This guy I got to meet in person. We've been doing a mastermind call for, oh gosh, uh, what, six months or so? And I finally got to meet him while I was in the Philippines. We were trying to record there, but we just kept getting a lot of really, really bad audio due to construction noise, wind noise, uh, just a lot of noise. So we decided to just hold off until we got back to our respective homes. And you'll, uh, when you hear Dan, you'll notice that he's uh, not from the U.S. I'll, I'll keep it a little secret and, and until you can hear him as to where he's from. But we had a great time in the Philippines. And Dan, I, I've been able to know for a while now and has a lot of experience as a website designer. So we're going to do a little episode here called Five Things You Must Do With Your Website and Five Things You Should Never Do With Your Website. So, Dan, with that, what's up? Hey, Tim. How you doing? It's it's funny funny you mentioned the accent because I I haven't spent a lot of time hanging out with um, Americans, but one of the things I noticed in the Philippines was was no one had a clue what I was saying, which was new to me. (laughs) 
<laughs> a few times I had to have you clarify because sometimes you'd say it a little quietly, but I, I usually pick up on people's accents well enough that I can understand what they're what they're saying. But then, you know, you had a few Aussie phrases that I had to like, so what's that actually mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily there's a few of us there. Right, right. Yeah, it was. There was a nice little Aussie contingent in the Philippines. So, so Dan, let's let's get into this uh, just full on. Let's let's talk about what what are the five things that we that we must do with our website. So, uh, number one here, you you said you sent me this list, and you said an attractive, modern, and fresh design. What, what's that really mean? Okay, yeah, I, I think because my background is building websites for small businesses, and um, what, one of the things I see people doing wrong is basically going to the website designer and saying I want a, I want a website design me something but going to them with crap images either no logo or a really crappy logo which makes it even harder because you have to tell them that their logo is crappy um, <laughs> and and then and obviously no idea about what is a nice design um, and that makes it really really hard so in in my business I, w- I wouldn't build websites for people without logos and I wouldn't build a website until we'd worked out some way to get good quality images. And if they'd provided us images that weren't good quality, then I'd tell them to get new images, um, whether that be using stock libraries or whatever. Um, but the other thing you can do is just get a professional theme. And this is like a really underrated thing. Like people come to me to ask them to design them a website, but a lot of times you can just get a theme from Woo Themes or um, theme forest or something like that that really looks professional already and you don't have to get you don't have to do it from scratch and I think a lot of times you're actually better off getting a premium theme and replacing the logo than you are getting an average web designer to to design something just for you yeah I, I totally agree with that though though I will say one thing with like uh, theme forest is that you got to be careful. I, I buy a ton of themes off of Theme Forest, so I'm going to say I highly recommend it. But one of the things that I found on some of the themes that I've gotten is that they're, they, they've got errors in them, like errors in their code. They don't, they're not, uh, they, they've like JavaScript issues or they've got uh, just some, something's wrong with them, that it, it was a new coder who came up with that design and they you know, messed up one or two things, and then you've got to you've got to have someone smart enough to go in and fix those kind of issues. But outside of that, you can get an amazing design, uh, really cheap, like thirty five dollars. Yeah, I'd I'd second that. There's there's one of the guys, Valentine, on our on our trip in the Philippines, got one of the themes from there, and his his website was the best looking website out of any, anyone's there. And he I don't know how much he paid for it, fifty bucks or something, but there was a couple of little things where. Like he'd add an extra slide and it would break onto the next line and I'd have to go in and sort of fix up the code because it just there's just a few little bugs. Right. And uh, that's why I like Woo themes. I, I don't. I usually use Woo themes and um, I'd say on Woo themes they're probably it's probably not the easiest interface to use because there's so many options. It's kind of hard to know how to do things on there. But what you do get is the consistency across the board and they've got like a framework that is the same across all the themes, so you don't get those little issues coming up. Right. Well, so with Woo Themes, I'm using a free one on the Foolish Adventure show, and it was just put up as a temporary to almost almost two years ago now. Uh, it's really sad. It's really sad. <laughs> but I can say the coding 
was fantastic because even with all the updates that have come out from WordPress over the last two years, that theme has never broken. That's, that's one of the things that I, I really like about WooThemes is that their code is solid. Yeah, yeah, they're a great business. Um, I, I like them as well. And we, I would often just tell people, you know, if they had, you know, $1,000 for a website as opposed to a couple of thousand dollars, I would just say, just get, get a theme from WooThemes and under the developer subscription, you can get the PSD files and you can have a website up in a day that looks really good. The, the other thing in terms of the design is um, what I like to do is look at other sites that I like as well. And this is something I always tell people for new sites is tell me three or four sites that you like. And sometimes I'll come back with sites that look terrible and then I'll tell them that they're no good. But um, <laughs> I think like I, I like to look at some of the startup sites like Kissmetrics or MailChimp. Um, I always come back to MailChimp because I really like that one. And I was on the Jan Rain site the other day. If you look up like the major kind of big tech startups, they've all put heaps and heaps of work into their site and you can just see how simple and how crisp everything is and that's a really good way to get some inspiration for a design. Yeah, one site that I really liked their design work was at, at Team Treehouse. Uh, so it's the the site that trains how to do coding uh, from, oh, yeah, seen- from the Carsonified guys. I loved their design work. Uh, beautiful, beautiful site. Uh, so I, I thought th- uh, those kind of things, yeah, if you go out and just look at what the the high end guys are doing in the in the internet it's it's relatively easy to get a similar design yeah th- this is something that that before i started my business when i was heckling the developers around me to teach me how to design websites was one of the pieces of advice that stuck with me was um if, if you want to be able to you know do something that looks good go and basically steal um one of the really big companies that's doing a really good job at it and you can kind of, you can almost recreate. It's a really good way to learn design because you can recreate what they've done and it kind of teaches you how to use the tools and whatnot. But there's a bit of a caveat with that as well, which I'll, I'll come back to when we talk about the things not to do. Oh, yeah. And and so I think that even adds to the, the second one here, which is a clear goal that is measurable. So if you just said, hey, you know, make make a design that looks like this, that's not really a clear goal that's measurable other than it'll look like that design. So so what do you mean by having a clear goal? Yeah, so that's, I mean, this is, I think for your audience, this is probably second nature when you build a website. You, your audience wouldn't go out building a website for no reason. But a lot of the customers that I get in my web design business are basically just building a website for the sake of having a website. They've been told they need one. Um, and <laughs> I, I, I thought that was like done, uh, you know, has been done since like, you know, 2004. People uh, were over that, you know, just having a website just to have one. No, I can confirm they're not over it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think, you know, the, the, a huge percentage of sites don't have a clear goal. And the, the other thing about the goal is it's not just important that you've got a clear goal. So, so an example might be um, to get opt-ins or any commerce site might be to produce a sale. On, on my site, webcontrolroom.com, my goal is to get people to sign up. It's a free tool. So I expect that a lot of people who go there are interested in and aren't going to need to be sold later on. And so I want them to sign up immediately. Um, so every site should have a goal you can measure it in Google Analytics very easily, and so you can track your conversions. Um, but the main thing about the goal is that it's realistic, and this is where a lot of people fall down. Um, uh, you know, I mentioned with mine, it's it's a free service, and Mailchimp's another example. If you look at the Mailchimp site, um, they basically give you like a tiny bit of content, and then they give you a massive button that just says "Sign me up," 
Um, you know, they know that you don't need to be join a mailing list and sold to for a year before you sign up to this service because it's free and it's a great service and they prove it on the site right there. Um, but if your business is the sort of business that has a longer lead time or, or like a higher touch type business, it's it's unrealistic that someone's going to hit your site and buy something straight away. So it doesn't make sense to have a goal to get people to purchase straight away. Right. Right. And one of the things that I ran into with having my marketing agency was when we would go to build a website, the client almost always wanted the site to do five different things on the homepage, you know, at, at the minimum, right? Is at, at least five. You know, they, they wanted the site to cover the, you know, all, all these different things from their business. And, and you know it was it was a lot of work to try to get them to narrow it down so so how many goals could you get away with on your on your homepage i like one <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah i'm i'm very fond of one but i'm, yeah. I'm sure as as you've worked on on a bunch of sites that you've had to compromise on that so uh, at what at what point do you go no this is just way too much yeah, absolutely. I, I, this is a really tricky thing, and I've found, uh, even with my own site, uh, my blog, which I use to sell my web design services, I I've really battled with what is the goal of that site because it's it's content. It's you know I'm getting a hundred people a month sign up to my mailing list, and and I like to build the list to sell to them. I'm getting content shared, so I like people to read stuff. Um, I'm getting leads, so I like them to inquire about projects. But you just can't have a site with ten different goals. Um, and a, a lot of the time it comes back to the business model. Like I'm in my new business, it, it's really simple to me. I, I want people to sign up for Web Control Room. So that site only has one goal and I really love that business model. Um, most businesses don't work that way, especially with offline businesses. You know, um, a lot of people going there might just want a contact number. A lot of people might just be going to make sure you're legit. Um, they might be going for content. They might be going to sign up to your newsletter. So it, it becomes really, really hard. But I, I would say pick... Like if you look at the MailChimp example, like their their really clear goal is to get people to sign up, but then they provide other stuff in case you don't want to sign up. And basically, if you make it past that first big button, the rest of the site is geared towards kind of educating you and getting you to learn about the system and ultimately sign up. Right. Um, I think having one clear goal is a, much better than having five general goals, but then you can build <laughs> with, with for people who aren't converting to that one goal. Right, right. Okay, so let, let's let's get into that. You you also for number three, you said help users consume, connect, and convert. Yeah, this is a, a model I kind of came up with. I mean, someone else probably did first, but I'm claiming it. <laughs> <laughs> the the Dan Norris uh, consume, connect, and convert system trademarked. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I've even got a Fiverr um, diagram to prove it. So. <laughs> <laughs> but th what this is about is um, I think a, a lot of mistakes that people make are to do with, like I said before, having a goal that's unrealistic. If your site is designed to sell something, but the sales cycle for that particular thing is weeks or months or, um, you, you know, you, people say like you need to see something nine times or 13 times before you want to buy it. Like if you're that kind of business, then people aren't going to hit your site and buy and if your site is geared around selling to those people who hit the site for the first time, and then if that sale fails, you're losing 90% of your audience. Um, so the way I like to think about it is, this is kind of a general rule, but the way I like to think about it is the first thing you want to do is getting them consuming. So 
you want them to start you want them to read your site you want them to stay there that's the first thing um so you want to have good content you want to have a headline that grabs attention and you want to have new content and you want to have reasons for them to come back and consume the content you're producing so before they sign up to buy something you want them actually engaging with you and kind of you know liking what you're putting out so that's consuming connecting obviously you want people to opt in at some point because if all they're doing is consuming then there's a high chance that they'll leave and you'll never be able to market to them again. So you want them to connect at some point and that could be via social media, having social media um, interaction in the site or it could be having an email sign up. Like on my blog, I have I have 200 plus articles for free but if someone wants to download an ebook, they have to give me their email address or they have to like my Facebook page. Right. So that's that's forcing people to connect. I don't love forcing people to connect but I want to make sure that people who are interested in my content are there to be marketed to later on. Well, I think uh, I wouldn't use the word forcing them uh, because a lot of times it's just a nudge. Like somebody who already wants something that, you know, they're already consuming your content. So they already like your stuff. But a lot of times uh, it's just something in sales that people need to get an extra boost, a little oomph behind them to get them to go a little further with a relationship with you. So you have to be the one who makes the first move in almost every case. Yeah, that's definitely true. It's, it, it, I mean, some of these tactics are, you know, like when they came out, I kind of thought, you know, I don't want pop-ups on my site, but but they work. And um, I've written, you know, six different eBooks on my site. I know people want to download them. And I could either give them away for free and probably get more downloads, but then potentially just lose that person to the next time I go into Google and put in web design and find my competitor. Right. So I want them to connect. And then ultimately, I want them to convert. And in in my type of business in selling web design, I find that sometimes they will come to the site straight away and inquire, but a lot of times they will be on my list for months and then they will inquire and then I'll convert them at that point. Right. Okay, that's pretty clear. And if anybody has more questions, because I think that's one of like the key areas here. So if anybody's got more questions, they should hop on to the site and you know post their questions in the in the comments section. So let's jump on over to offer great content. And you know I'm gonna I'm gonna say with this one, I actually hate this one. <laughs> and not not because I hate great content. I love great content, but it is so hard to define. So how can somebody create great content and what makes great content? Yeah, this is, it's, it's kind of one of those things that's, you know, some people are just really good at creating content. There's a guy, um, James Shramko in Australia, and I'm going to be interviewing him on my podcast soon. Oh, and nice. I'm, yeah, I'm trying to think of a topic for him and, and I just thought content. I've got to talk to this guy about content because he is just smashing it. He's putting out a daily podcast. He's doing almost daily videos. He's doing business updates. Um, he's, he sells content. He's got a community where he publishes content. Um, he's got two other podcasts with other people. He writes blog posts. He interviews people for his own blog around internet marketing. He's just totally crushing content. Yeah, he's and, a machine. <laughs> and this is, I just think some people are good at this. You know, our, our friend Dan Andrews, he, he's a machine as well. He just, he'll pop out a couple of thousand word blog posts and it'll be really, really good stuff. And then he'll do a presentation and then do a podcast and, some people are just really good at creating good content. And I, I don't know. What do you think? Is it the kind of thing you can learn? Is it, is it an attitude thing? Uh, I, yeah, I think so. Because like like Dan Andrews, as an example, and even James Shramko, because I remember like his early stuff years ago, it wasn't very good. Yeah. It, it's all been just being disciplined, disciplined enough to get better at it. 
to yeah. to really have something to say that people want to hear and then just getting good at telling it. Yeah, that's that's the key thing I think that people want to hear. I think that's something that Dan's really good at is is he might be going down a particular angle, but when he gets feedback from people, he he kind of he can manipulate that as he goes and he'll decide to go down a totally different path, you know, with his business or with his content if if he can see that that is is kind of where the money is or what people want. That's the way I see it anyway. Right, right. Uh, yeah, so so you mentioned an angle, that Dan has an angle when he does his content. So that that is number five here, a unique angle, you know, and you say in like off to the side, supported with proof. So what what's a, what's a unique angle? Yeah, this is, this is something I didn't have when I started my business. I just thought I'd start a web design business and I, I probably entered into close to the most competitive business. <laughs> Uh, right, right behind internet marketing, how to make money online. That's it. That's it. Um, and, and without any kind of uh, unique selling proposition or uh, competitive advantage or whatever buzzword you want to give it, I, I like the word angle because it's only one word. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's just you know what what is this business about? Um, why does it differ from the next business? And why do I care? It's just classic classic copywriting stuff and uh, a lot of small companies that I mean this is I would say the vast majority of businesses that come to us looking for websites don't have this unique angle they basically started a business for whatever reason and if you look at their business against the competitors the, the differences is not something tangible it's something I mean it might be their location or you know they've been in business 20 years or they just happen to have more clients there's there's nothing that I can read about their business that differentiates it from someone else and that that is a really powerful thing in marketing is, you know, to be able to go to a website and see in a headline the exact thing that differentiates this company from someone else and that thing being something that you care about. And that's what I mean when I'm talking about a unique angle. Okay, very cool. Very cool. So those those are the fi- uh, like five of the things that you must do with your website. Obviously, there's a ton more that we could cover, but I want to get into – like what not to do because because this happens a lot where you, uh, you see stuff and it's like oh my gosh I can't believe they've got this on their site or that they they've done this so what are, uh, so you've got here on as number one and uh, not to do yourself which is design it yourself uh, wh- <laughs> why why not okay well actually before we get into this I just wanted to make one point that I missed in the having the unique angle and that, okay that. That is about supporting it with proof. This is a really important thing. Um, again, go back and look at the MailChimp site. You know, their message is it's free, it's easy, it's really good software, and there's just the page is just flooded with proof to that effect. So that's something that you definitely shouldn't forget. But anyway, things not to do. So design it yourself. This is it's kind of back to the same point we talked about before. Is it's it'll cost you thirty dollars to get a professional theme. Um, so you know when clients come to me and they've got a design that they've done themselves I just I just cringe and you know I just, I just or they've either done it themselves or you know their friend or a family member has done it or they've gotten some designer who really shouldn't be designing things and to me you either get a really good designer or you get a really nice theme and if you don't do that then you're not going to pre- present yourself in a professional way and I'm old school maybe in thinking that design is, is important and the way something looks is important right and uh, you know, not not looking at the Foolish Adventure site, I also agree, uh, but not to the point that it stops it stops you from actually accomplishing your business goals. So I, that's like my my 
caveat to it is that if if you're holding up your business because you're waiting on a website design, you need to move a little faster, maybe get a $30 theme as a as a temporary holder to get to get moving. And 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 the thing is is like Dan's saying here is that it could be good enough that you all you need to do is make a few tweaks to the design and now it's 100% your site. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think nine times out of ten, that's a better approach than than either designing it yourself or getting someone who's not a very good designer. And there are a hell of a lot of people out there who aren't good designers who are offering design services. Right. Okay. So number two here, and I'm going to say that I'm completely guilty of this, and and I'll talk about it uh, in in, a, in just a second. But it's copy someone else's design. <laughs> yeah. Well, we talked about you know um, looking at another good design and getting inspiration from it. And this can really go bad if you're just copying someone else's design. I mean, I'm not saying it won't work sometimes, but what tends to happen is if you try to apply someone else's design to your business, then the kind of intricacies of that design don't really play out in your business. And you start to get some kind of Frankenstein looking thing that just doesn't really look like the inspiration site and doesn't really look like your business either. And there's a really, really big risk of doing that. Yeah. uh, So my, my explanation is I had a new site designed for a foolish, uh, foolish adventure. And I haven't, I haven't put it up yet. The design was completed back in February or uh, beginning of March. And so the instructions that I gave were, I want it to look like MailChimp. Okay, yeah. and and I gave some instructions as to what it mostly about what it needed to do, but I wanted like the the round corners. I wanted the uh, some bright colors because you know foolish adventure, right? It's all fun. It's supposed to look like fun. You know the logo's got a jester hat, and and I said use the colors from the logo and do these different things, and I ended up getting back basically a copy of Mailchimp. Yeah. And yeah. and it looks it looks beautiful, but it looks exactly like Mailchimp. So so right now I'm going through the process of using that theme that I had done for me because the coding behind it is beautiful. So so I'm having it tweaked right now by a by a separate designer and that person's going to make it for the Foolish University site. So it's going to actually be on there and I'm going to do try to keep some of the colors and some of the elements from from this design and make it for Foolish Adventure, but it's going to take me a little while longer to get that to happen because it right right now it looks like a copy of of uh, MailChimp. <laughs> Yeah, I remember seeing it. I thought, yeah, it looks like Mailchimp. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so for people who have seen the Mailchimp site, it's like, oh my gosh, that that's Mailchimp, and that was that was the downside. I, I made the mistake, a, a rookie mistake, of saying, you know, here's the, here's the inspiration for what I'm looking for, and that became uh, the only thing that happened. Like the des- uh, the designer, I didn't give the designer clear instructions that hey. You can have free uh, some uh, creative license here. You can you know come back with changes to this design so that it becomes one hundred percent unique. And I, I didn't make I didn't make that clear. And so then I got back essentially a, a copy of Mailchimp. 
So I, that's why it's been it's been taking me so long to actually get out a new design. Yeah, that's a bad designer. Don't beat yourself up about that. I mean, I've never met a good designer that doesn't take their own creative license when designing a site. You know, that's I think that's that's given. You don't have to specifically tell a designer. You know, unless you've told them to directly duplicate Mailchimp, then I think your designers let you down there. Yeah. So so yeah, that that that's why I always say it's got to be a miscommunication, right? It's got to be, if it doesn't come out the way you want it, you didn't communicate properly what you were looking for. So I, I probably got exactly what I asked for. <laughs> so, so I'm, so I'm going to take that one on the chin and I'm trying to make the changes so that it, that it's going to be more, you know, more foolish adventure and not so MailChimpy. Sorry. Yeah. Where this can go really bad is, I mean, the MailChimp side is quite simple and it's like a nice elegant side. It's kind of you can copy that and get away with it. But where this goes is really bad is if you choose like a site that is different, like that, um, the one you mentioned before, the tree, what, what was that one again? Oh, tr- uh, Team Treehouse. I think I've seen that one. And like those kind of designs that are like rich illustration type designs or like the Jan Rain ones are black design. And if you start taking sites like that and trying to copy those designs, then it really, really goes bad. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I liked MailChimp because it was so simple. It was so clear and it was fun colors. And that's kind of what I wanted Foolish to be. So hope, hopefully my design will eventually come out to the world and people will like it and not make fun of me. At least too, <laughs> at least too much. <laughs> story now, so you put your foot in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's, let's jump on to number three of what not to do. Use auto-playing videos or audio okay so so what's going on here yeah so i mean this there's probably a list of 50 annoying things you could do on a website but um and a lot of these don't happen anymore i mean auto playing videos and and audio just annoy the hell out of me and annoy the hell out of most people one thing that i do still see is is videos without controls this is like one of those internet marketing tactics that no doubt probably works but it just annoys the crap out of people um so i would say to stay away from it yeah yeah i I know uh, some of the tests that have come out from this, this kind of thing. Okay, if your video audio or or audio automatically plays when somebody lands on your site, you will actually have lower conversion rates. So why annoy people? So just don't do it. Uh, you actually get a better response if they have to click a button to uh, get that content. So with that, you get better response by not auto playing. Uh, so even even if you don't care if you annoy people, you st- uh, just just know that you'll get a better response for your business if it doesn't autoplay. The videos without controls, as annoying as they are, are actually effective. I, yeah. I I bet over time they will become less effective though because they have been so overused in the especially in the make money online crowd. I think you could take that into a different market that doesn't that it's not overdone and it probably would convert amazingly well like it used to with the internet marketing crowd yeah i think there's a there's a few of these tactics that over time they kind of become less and less effective and some of them are like like pop-ups i can put up with but things like videos without controls or exit scripts that kind of force you to stay on the page that kind of stuff i can't put up with and yeah they uh, piss me off (laughs) i just i mean Conversions or no conversions, I I choose the path of not pissing off your customers. Right. 
yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm a marketer, so like, man, conversions. Uh, I, I love me some conversions. So uh, sometimes I'll do a, a few things that are annoying because I know they work so well. So I don't know. That that that's just me being being me, I guess. So okay, let's go into number four here. Too much color. Yeah, this is this is to me like a rookie mistake with web design is. Um, you know, p- people have say like a red color in their logo, so they'll think like the, the, they'll come to us and say, you know, make us like a red website, um, and it just it just does not work. Like it's very rare. If you look at all the major um, websites, you'll notice the vast majority of them are the same. Most of them will have a white background. Most of them will have the colors of the logo picked up in little um, you know links, sometimes headings, little images. Um, maybe a darker background image that sits around the page, but the main part of the page is almost always white or light. Um, there's a few exceptions, but generally the exceptions that work well are done by really, really good designers. And when the average designer tries, tries to design a site with too much color or too many dark colors, it starts looking really shit. Oh yeah, and and not just not just, I would I would add into this one, uh, you know, too much color and too many fonts. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, I would I would put those in the same category because if you've got a whole bunch of different fonts on your site, uh, just like using a whole bunch of different colors, it's going to look really bad, and the usability of your site drops off more than just how ugly it is. Usability just drops off, which when usability drops off and uh, your user experience suffers. Your, your conversions go down. You, you lose that ability to get people to consume, connect, and convert. Well, there you go. You're using it already. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like I had to throw that in there for you. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's, it's simplicity wins out in the end. And just, just get on the Apple website, you know, get, get on some of these startup sites, and you will just see they just absolutely obsess over simplicity. Have a look at the um, Path mobile app. And just look at the way that thing works and just the little subtleties and it's, you know, putting too much on the page, whether it's too much color, too dark color, too many fonts, too many goals, you know, too many widgets. That's that's a mistake for rookie designers and, and being able to make something look good while not having much on there is is the ultimate skill of a, of a good designer. So um, I think that the last one I had in my list was sliders and the reason no, I'm I don't know. This one's kind of controversial because, man, sliders are everywhere. Yeah, they are. And this, I just, I just wanted to take the opportunity to have a go at sliders <laughs> 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 because we sort of, I mean, for a while there, we were, we were charging people to put a slider on their website, and and now it's kind of like a standard inclusion. You must have a slider. But again, to me, if you look at the really good websites and the really simple kind of companies with a, a clear angle, a, a unique proposition, something that's really simple. Um, and the startups are really good at this because that generally they've got one goal. They want you to sign up or they want you to um, buy something. Um, if you've got a site that's built around one goal, often a slider is, is a sign that you've got too many goals. Right. The, the issue I've got with the slider is, is, yes, I want a slide that says, you know, we're the best golf course on the Gold Coast. And I want another slide that says our membership rates are really cheap. And I want another slide that says, um, you know, we're, we're open nine to five. And it's like, well, what is the goal of this? Do you want people to sign up? Do you want people to know when you're open? You know, do you want them to see pictures of your site? And, and this is a, a telltale sign to me that there are too many goals and, and not enough clarity. 
Yeah, I would I would say that the the one exception, and this is what sliders were originally created for, was artists, designers, people who create stuff and they want to show pictures. Yeah, that yeah. that's that's what sliders were created for, but then they became essentially little mini billboards that people started sticking on their sites. Yeah, and there are a lot of mistakes made with sliders as well. Like, you know, having a lot of animation is like, if you want to get their attention, then animation is one way to do it. But do you really want them to be focusing their attention on slide one, slide two, slide three, slide four? I mean, you want them, their attention to be on the goal of the website. And, you know, the you, you get sliders without the ability to pause them or stop them and sliders that use flash so that they aren't visible <laughs> on. Things. There are just so many problems with them that I just think, Nine times out of the ten, you can get a better result by just having one clear goal and just ditch the slider altogether. Uh, if you you mentioned Kissmetrics, uh, uh, so if anyone listening, go look at Kissmetrics, uh, Kissmetrics.com, and they have a, a unique way of instead of having a slider in place, they have some icons on their homepage. You click the icon, and then the uh, then the actual info about that icon comes up uh, in like the left-hand side. On the right-hand side, the information stays the same because they have one clear goal, sign up. So yeah. they give you more information just to get you to sign up. So for anyone who comes there and just doesn't automatically put in their their information, they have these little icons right there and it makes it easily available for the, a person to just click on it and it's not a disruptive design like a slider. Yeah, I, I like that. It's it's that's why I like keeping an eye on these sites is because you know, no doubt when sliders first came out, it was because some of these sites started using them, and but but they've moved on. And if you keep an eye on these sites and how they operate, there's a lot more effective ways to achieve the same thing. And some of these businesses like Kissmetrics, I imagine they're doing that because there's kind of different groups of people or different services. I don't know a lot about their service, but I imagine that's why they're doing it. They're kind of funneling the particular person into the content that appeals to them. Right. Um, and I mean, if they can do it, then the average kind of small business or average small website owner can do it as well. And so I'll, I'll throw in one more reason why not to use sliders, because uh, you mentioned like some of them are coded a certain way so they don't show up in some browsers like mobile browsers. So they may not show up on your cell phone or something, but they also break a lot. Yeah. A lot of them are uh, written with really bad Java, uh, JavaScript or uh, they, they're coded in, in a different way that it, it conflicts with a ton of other plugins. Uh, that's one reason to not use them because you may find that it's breaking all the time. Yeah, death to the slider. This is great. I've got one more. <laughs> um, a lot of the times when clients are updating their old website, updating the slider is really hard because generally the slider will be a bit of text and it'll be like a background graphic that is the perfect size and the perfect design to fit into the site. And so we'll build it and it'll look nice and then the client will update it and it will look crap. So that, uh -huh. that's just slider. It's gone. Okay, everybody. So no using sliders. <laughs> All right. Uh, so we've we've gone on for a while here, Dan. So I think we're going to have to wrap it up. So uh, what kind of uh, can anyone get a hold of you? Like what's the, what's the best way of reaching you if they've got questions about web design? Yeah, absolutely. Um, probably the best way to get me is I've got a podcast called Web Domination. And the address for that is webdomination.co. And on Twitter, it's webdominationco. And that's probably the best way. I'm selling my web design business, so um, I'm going to focus on Web Control Room and my uh, Web Domination podcast. 
Excellent, excellent. And I was on one of the episodes of uh, Web Domination. So, granted, you can barely hear me because of the wind noise. <laughs> we, we did that one out in the Philippines right next to the beach. And, and I put up the picture of us uh, sitting there uh, on, at the table next to the beach as my Facebook image. So, uh, it's famous now. That, that episode's famous. So, for anyone who's been listening, hopefully you have gotten a ton of information out of this. Now you know what to do and what not to do with your website design. And until the next time, enjoy your foolish adventure. You've just listened to The Foolish Adventure Show with Tim Conley. To get more straight talk about making money online and building a successful internet business, go to foolishadventure.com. There, you can opt into the Freedom File newsletter. You'll also get access to the Foolish Guide to Launching Products video training module, over an hour and 20 minutes of business building knowledge that can generate tens of thousands of dollars for your new product. Enjoy your foolish adventure. <laughs>